Hello, LifeSpring Bible Church family and all of uh, the folks that tune in and listen to this ministry from literally around the world now. It kind of, it's humbling. It's uh, kind of amazing. But, uh, you know, and I will admit up front, a number of them watch because they love me. I'm family. <laughs> My mother's going to watch from Florida. Family's going to watch from Florida. Family's going to watch from Texas. Family's going to watch from Washington. Uh, but there are places around Alaska, places like Valdez and, um, and Yakutat. And I say all that this morning because I'm humbled by that and I appreciate it. Also, uh, we have folks in, in uh, India now that uh, we're closely knit. Our hearts are knit with the hearts of the uh, church in uh, Kunara, India, with Pastor Kumar. And they are praying for us. And we are praying for them. And uh, we're believing God for great things that God raises up an army uh, of prayer warriors for the church and the body of Christ in India. And we're praying that God raises up an army of individuals that will give uh, towards feeding hungry people in that community. Uh, Pastor Kumar and I and, and some of the elder board members and some of the folks in the church have communicated enough with Pastor Kumar to know and understand that he knows that he can reach lost and dying people if he helps to meet some of their basic needs. And some of them have to do with uh, feeding uh, hungry children and helping orphans and widows and uh, hungry people in their village. And we want to be a part of that. So you keep praying. Uh, we're going to be working on the methodology and the logistics. And we'll tell you more about that in the coming weeks. Uh, also, before I introduce again uh, Pastor Isaac to you, he's going to share with you uh, some things that I want you to know that has this uh, pastor's heart as an endorsement because now there are also younger people in the church that are reaching out to younger people and they're starting to set things on the schedule to do together and to be together and to fellowship together safely. You know, everything we do now in this day and age has to be done safely. Amen. So I'll give him a moment here uh, to share uh, with one more announcement made by me. <clears throat> we are very excited. We want to have communion next Sunday. And we were planning on having communion together this Sunday, and it was going to be a testimony service, you remember? It was going to be a testimony service. It was going to be a time of prayer, and there was going to be a time of having communion together and letting God to minister to us and through us and work some things out in us. Amen? And uh, then we had the reset. And, um, and by the way, I apologize for that. I take responsibility for it. The information we were going on originally was based on a press release that didn't say anything about churches. And we finally got a hold of the emergency order uh, and read there was a specific line about us not having more than a certain number in church we decided to go this route. But listen carefully. I want everyone within the sound of my voice, everyone viewing this today, whether it be live or whether it be recorded, you're invited to join us from home next week for a communion service. Now, listen carefully to this. We're, we're keeping office hours, uh, Pastor Isaac and I, at the office. We're going to be there. And we can safely do what I'm about to invite you to do. If you have a testimony that you would like shared in the service next Sunday, uh, give us a call at the office and come by the office. We can safely record that testimony and Nathan can help us make that a part of the service in our homes. 
and on our devices next week. And I, I, I'm excited about this. Why? For one thing is it's different. How many of you know sometimes God just wants to do something different and wants us to do something different and wants us to be innovative? There is no one that's innovative like our God. Amen? And so uh, what you do is you just give me a call and we'll make an appointment time for you to come by the office and we'll set it up and you can just talk to the camera and tell us what God has done for you. And we'll review those and in the time frame that we have uh, available, uh, we'll, we'll do our best to squeeze them all in. I tend to believe there's going to be a bunch. I believe that God's been doing great things in the lives of his people. And in this COVID thing, the devil does not want anybody to know about it. So let's defy, even if you're not comfortable, get a little out of your comfort zone, come by the office, uh, give us a call, come by the office, and we'll record your testimony, and we'll make that a part of the service next week. Uh, Pastor Isaac has something important to share with us. Yeah, we also want to just keep moving forward as a ministry, regardless of the restrictions that are put on us. As like Carl said, we want to be safe. Um, so next Saturday, um, we want to... Um, be able to meet at 11 a.m. for anybody that's interested at Lake Aklutna. I got to learn to say these words better now when I get up here now. At the Lake Aklutna Recreation Center. Um, so about 11 a.m. If you want to come, you can bring your own food. Um, and there's a lot of cool activities there. And just be a chance to, you know, in a, in a physical distance way where we can get together and still be connecting. And then we'll have some, maybe some other things too as we go through this month of August. So that even though we're not uh, be able to be together as much on Sundays, we can be outside and do things safely and still be around each other and connect with each other. Um, and then a couple other things that we'll be going forward with too that I already announced is one, we are going to be starting a youth group. Um, we're going to call it The Well, kind of keeps that life spring theme. Um, it'll be on Wednesday nights and starting in September. It may just start with my daughters to begin with, but we're hoping, just believing that God's going to bring more and more people. And we'll be meeting, if we're uh, able to, we'll be meeting at the church office. And if not, we'll be doing Zoom or some other option there too to just keep going. And then also men's ministry as well, um, be kind of helping facilitate that. And that'll be starting September 15th on Tuesday nights. Again, if we can meet at the office, we'll do that. If not, we will do Zoom or some other uh, online forum just to make sure that we're going to continue to keep doing what we believe God is wanting us to do, again, in a safe way, but not letting restrictions uh, keep us down. Because I feel like that's what the enemy wants to do is just kind of get us defeated, and then we just give in, and uh, we're, we just look like the world. So, so that's some things that we'll be doing, and we'll kind of keep giving you more insight about that on Facebook and the website as we go forward. Thank you. Yep. Praise God. Um, one other thing I'll share with you is that um, there's going to be a Bible study uh, offered to the church starting, um, we don't have a start date for it yet, but what, the reason why I mention it now, even without a, a start date, is that um, it's going to be on a chapter in Psalm, Psalm 91, and some folks already in this Bible study started um, off campus, and uh, we're going to start it up uh, fresh and new for folks in the church that want to be a part of the Psalm 91 story. Or, and, and here's the thing. What I want you to do is start reading Psalm 91 now. We don't have a start date for the class, but start reading Psalm 91. And I might even encourage you to start trying to memorize that chapter. It's a dynamic chapter uh, in Psalm, Psalm 91. 
Um, and remember this, when we start the class, we have 10 books, and that means the class is gonna be limited to 10 people, all right? And it will most likely be downstairs in the conference room at the office building. And so uh, here's the thing that I, I'm excited about. Here we are in the uh, midst of a pandemic and, and it hasn't really slowed this church down. That, that's exciting to me. It hasn't slowed down Life Spring Bible Church. We're endeavoring to do everything we can to abide by the guidelines. And uh, I'm excited that, um, you know, uh, the recent rise in numbers has, has been uh, attributed to uh, a list of things other than the church. It uh, doesn't mean that no COVID cases have come up within churches in Anchorage, but it hasn't been a great contributor to the spike in the numbers. And, and why? Because Christians pray, amen. We ask God to help us. Uh, we, we do the best we can to abide by the rules. Uh, I don't have to wear a mask while I'm preaching, and I'm grateful for that because I'm at least 15 to 20 feet away from the nearest person. And so I'm excited about that. So what do we do? In the church, we conduct ourselves with the wisdom of God, and we don't contribute to problems unnecessarily. Amen? So I'm excited about that. All right, everybody take a nice deep breath. Let it out. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I want to thank you once again for the difference your word makes in our life. It means everything to us, Father. And even now, uh, with the reset, someone think, some people may think that it's a setback. But Father, there's something about this direction that you're going to share with us today that's going to help uh, revolutionize our thinking and change the way we look at the things around us and what's going on and what's happening. And I want to thank you for that ahead of time. I thank you for the peace that passes all understanding that only you can give. I thank you for your spirit that's, preparing, that's been preparing our hearts for this message. And may your uh, seed of the word be planted in our lives today. And may we be faithful to watch over it and water it with prayer. Be faithful to tend the garden with the help of your spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, in the word of God today, I hope you've got your Bibles with you. I want you to turn to Hosea chapter 2. And we're going to be reading together in verse 14. But before we do, uh, I want to talk just for a few seconds about the title of the message is The School of the Desert. Because I believe we're going to be able to see in the Word of God today that that's where we're at right now. We've all been enrolled in a class. Uh, we didn't choose it. We didn't ask for it. But if we let God do what He wants to accomplish in our lives as individuals, uh, that's going to be what's key, what's paramount, what's most important. Uh, I remember a pastor was once asked in, a, in an interview if he thought the church was ready for revival. He said, that's the wrong, it was Jack Hayford as a matter of fact, and Pastor Jack said, you're asking me the wrong question. The question isn't for me to answer, is the church ready for revival? The question that you need to ask me is, am I ready for revival? And he said, if I can answer that, I've answered it for one of us, and everyone needs to answer that question for themselves. Are we ready for revival? And then the second thing I wanted to take a little poke at here before we get into the message is that most recently in our notes from the pastor's desk, our inspirational passage of scripture for the day came from Hosea. And it just reminded me of his life and all of the unusual demands that God made on this guy. And what God literally put him through to teach lessons to the church in the future. 
and to his people. So in Hosea chapter 2, verse 14, it says, I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. And of course, God was speaking through the prophet and he was actually talking about, um, you know, how many times did God tell Hosea, go get your wife and bring her home. Forgive her and bring her home. Over and over and over and over again. Now, what I want to point out is the Hebrew language is full of fascinating revelations, yet few believers know what they are. For example, a, a Christian who reads an English Bible wouldn't realize that the Hebrew word for desert and the Hebrew word for speaking, the Hebrew word for desert and the Hebrew word for speaking are the same Hebrew word translated in English. It's, it's medbra, it's pronounced medbra, but it's capital M, capital D, capital B, capital R, which is a Hebrew base word. And by adding vowels to it, it changes the inflection so you know that, that in one part God's talking about the desert and in another part God's talking about speaking. But pay close attention to this because it's important that we realize that the word desert and the word speaking are extremely closely related. So by inserting different vowels into this Hebrew word, we pronounce desert as medbar. M-E-E-D dash B-A-R. Medbar. Medbar is Hebrew for desert, whereas speaking is just a couple of different letters in it. And that's pronounced Medabur. Do you see how close? Medbar and Medabur. And Medabur is M-E-D-A dash B-E-R. So you're looking at Medbar and Medabar. And if, if you understand what I just said, then you know, I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. Those two words are in that sentence. Are you following with me? All right. So I don't think it's any coincidence that these two words are one since it is the most desolate places in our lives where God has made his most significant appearances and where he speaks into our lives. I want to read that again. I don't think it's any coincidence that these two words are one since it's the most desolate places where God has made his most significant appearances and where he speaks into the lives of his people. So let me just cut to the chase on this and tell you, this recent reset was hard on me. I mean, if you were my family and you were in the house with me, you saw how, how upset, you know, I got about the reset. But we've been saying this truth all along, and God just drove it home to me. Just calm down, the Spirit told me. Calm down. You're in the desert. You're just in the desert. And the desert is where I speak. The desert place is where God talks the most. Follow this with me. You know, when I said that uh, the desolate places of our lives are where God makes his most significant appearances, uh, this has been especially true at Mount Horeb in the desert. Mount Horeb. Harsharev is also known as Mount Sinai or the mountain of God. Shareb comes from Hebrew, from the Hebrew word sharab, which means to make desolate. This desolate mountain of God is the place where Moses is redeemed, even after he had committed great sin in his life. 
you know, I began to ponder this message and I started going back over uh, people in the Bible. And, and it's not hard. You don't have to search hard to find out where some of the greatest people in the Bible, even Paul, spent time in the desert, Arabia. I mean, uh, Jesus was driven into the desert by the Spirit of God right after he was baptized and he was there 40 days and 40 nights. One of the greatest trials of his life before the crucifixion was going hungry in the wilderness and fasting and praying for us for 40 nights. And then he faced temptation which he blew the devil away by answering with the word of God. Uh, uh, and keep in mind, it was in desert places. Uh, in Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15, here's what we find out about Moses. One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and he looked on their burdens and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together and he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. So, so look, look up here at me, those few that are in the room. What was Moses' sin? Murder, right? Moses committed murder. That was the, one of the big sins in his life, right? Um, but I will warn you that every time I think, you know, well, well, thank God, you know, I mean, David was a man after God's own heart, but he, he, killed, a, he killed a man and took his wife. And, and at least I've never done that. And every time I get, I get caught by the Holy Ghost saying that, you know, in myself, at least I haven't murdered anybody and took their wife, the Holy Spirit says, be careful because, you know, a publican and a sinner knelt at an altar and one cried out to God to forgive him for being a wretched, wretched sinner. And the other one stood there and said, thank God I'm not like this man. So even when I point at David and say, at least I didn't murder anybody and take their wife, the Holy Spirit chides us for that, warns us about that, right? So I'm not mad at Moses this morning. Matter of fact, we in human nature have a tendency to look at the spectrum of a person's life if we really want to be honest about humanity. You look at the spectrum of their life and ask yourself, what has God done in this person's life? Amen? So, for Moses, it's his encounters with God in the desert that molded his character and allowed him to see the glory of God. Not that one act. Not that act of murder that he committed. In his encounters with God in the desert that molded his character and allowed him to see the glory of God, those encounters are the ones that changed his life. We can encounter God in the desolation of our desert experiences also. Because I'm going to tell you something, I'm going to show you in the Word where more often than not we find ourselves being taken by God back into the desert. And I'm going to tell you why. We can encounter God in the desolation of our desert experiences too. So we need to discover how. First of all, in the desert, 
The Lord redeems our desolation. The Lord redeems our desolation. We often think of redemption in terms of freeing us from the eternal damnation and desolation that our sin actually demands. But Jesus already did that when he died and rose again. Death and resurrection on the cross. Abba, Father God, is our Redeemer from all forms of desolation and desperation. We saw this when he delivered Moses out of his exile as a shepherd in the land of Midian and brought the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Now, so we have a guy that's committed murder. He flees Egypt. He spent 40 years learning to be a prince. And then he commits murder. And then he spends 40 years in the desert tending sheep, the sheep herder. We saw this when he delivered Moses out of his exile as a shepherd in the land of Midian and brought the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. So again I say, Moses had spent 40 years of his life learning how to be a prince only to be exiled for murder. He spent another 40 years as a shepherd in the wilderness of Midian learning how to lead and guide his flock with patience and compassion. After being fully trained for his life calling and purpose, and I get excited about that because I just had a birthday the other day and I'm not as young as I used to be. My wife is beat out of me being, saying, I'm getting old. My wife said, don't say that. Don't, don't go there. Don't say that. It's okay. I'll accept you saying I'm getting older, but I don't want to hear you say you're, you're getting old. So I love this woman and I live with her and so I listened to her. Amen? Okay, so I'm not getting old. All right? I'm not getting old. Especially when you consider that Moses' true ministry really didn't start till he was an old guy. Really? Not really. I mean, an older man. We'll put it that way. He, it really, in reality, I mean, if you think he spent 40 years in uh, the wilderness, in the desert, herding sheep, and then he spent 40 years wandering around in the desert with the children of Israel. Um, he was older. He was in his 60s, really, if you think about it, before he started pastoring his first church. Right? Okay? So there's hope for me yet. Amen? There's hope for me yet. So, after being fully trained for his life, calling, and purpose, Moses the shepherd led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. That's Exodus chapter 3 verse 1. There at Horeb, he heard the voice of God calling him from within a burning bush in Exodus chapter 3 verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. Out of the midst of a bush, he looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Imagine in the desert, at his age, Moses sees a bush on fire, but the fire is not consuming the bush. And out of the fire comes God's voice speaking to him. In that encounter, God redeemed Moses out of the wilderness as a shepherd of sheep. Think about this with me now. And placed him in a new role as shepherd of 600,000 men plus the women and the children. And scholars believe there was between 2.5 and 4 million people in this startup church. Kind of amazing, isn't it? To shepherd this nation, God hands Moses a new kind of staff to lead 
and to protect and intervene on behalf of his chosen people. With his staff in hand, Moses goes back to Egypt and challenges Pharaoh to set his people free so that they can worship and serve their God. Finally, after ten plagues, Pharaoh allows the Israelites to leave Egypt. So, the Jews are set free. End of story, right? Or is it? No. It's just a new beginning, right? God has more to say. Where? Where? Where does he lead the children of Israel? Where's the first place he leads the children of Israel? Into the desert. Going to the promised land should have took 10 or 11 days. Instead, they were 40 years in the desert. I, I don't want to take 40 years in the desert. Have you ever wondered, after God pronounced judgment on the children of Israel and told them that of all the people that left out of Egypt, you will never see the promised land, and they spent 40 years wandering around in the desert while all of them died, but they raised children that would be prepared to enter the promised land. So a whole bunch of people, millions of people, who had missed the boat. And they knew they missed the boat. They found out the hard way. They, they were told by God to go up and take this particular uh, battle, ensue in this battle, and they were afraid and they didn't. So they didn't go, they didn't obey God. God pronounced judgment on them. Then they got scared, you know. So they rose up and tried to go defeat the enemy. You know, oh, we're going to go play catch up here now. Now we'll go obey God. After God said, it's over. You're never going to enter the promised land. So they went up against their enemies and they were defeated, utterly defeated. Now, these same people are going to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years and they're going to teach and prepare their children. Don't do what we did. I mean, what else could the message be? Don't do what we did. And what were some of the things they've learned? Some of the things they've learned were some of the things we learn. In the desert, the Lord sets us truly free. I'll explain that one to you. The Lord sets us truly free. How do I know this? How do I know this? This is amazing. It, it, it could have been all true and the same for the children of Israel, but it wasn't. But this thing in Exodus chapter 5 verse 2 was said, The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb, at Mount Sinai. And don't you think it's unusual that um, the first place that God took the children of Israel in the desert was the same place that he gave his calling to Moses from the burning bush. It's like, it's like uh, Moses coming home and bringing four million of his closest friends for dinner. Kind of so to speak, you know. The Lord our God has made a covenant with us at Horeb. Moses leads the Israelites across the Red Sea and where does he take them? To the same mountain in the desert of Horeb where God spoke to him. From the supernatural burning bush that did not become consumed. At the mountain of God, Moses tells the people God's conditions for his freedom. Now listen to this. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. And how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole 
earth is mine, and you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's Exodus chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. And in verse 8, the people all answered as one. Everything that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And if they had stuck with that, they'd have been all right. When they said, we do, the redeemed nation entered a marriage contract, a marriage contract with their Redeemer. Securely under his authority, the Jewish people are finally truly free to worship and serve their master under his terms and not Pharaoh's. All of this happened when God spoke, spoke, remember, to his people in the desert. And they had to depend on their marriage contract to know how to live holy and righteous lives so they would stay in their master's protection, provision, and blessing. So the next two points I want to blurt out. In the desert, the Lord protects. In the desert, the Lord provides. Now I'm going to say it again. In the desert, because it's God that leads us to the desert, not the devil. Get that? You got that straight? God leads us to the desert, not the devil. He doesn't lead us to the desert. God leads us to the desert. He talks a lot more in the desert. I'm going to tell you why. Watch with me. So in the desert, the Lord protects. So we had a reset this week and we had to go back to the desert. That, that's what my analogy is. What God told me is you should be rejoicing. You should be rejoicing. I am about to speak to you. I'm about to show you something. Now, I'm this guy who thinks that everything that God shows me, and this is okay, this is the right thing for me to do, everything God shows me is great. It's just great. <laughs> you know what? I mean, he, he can tell me a different way to brush my teeth, and I would rejoice. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what God says to me. Everything he says to me is great. I love hearing from him, right? He said, I'm taking you back to the desert again because I want you to hear me. So I can rejoice when I find myself, hey, there's the horizon. There's another desert coming. God wants to say something to me. Let's go. That's what I want to be like from now on. Listen to me carefully. So in the desert, the Lord protects. In the desert, the Lord provides. So can we not be grateful for the desert? We can be, right? We can be grateful for the desert because it's a classroom. Does that make sense? All right, now listen to this, though. I highlighted these next three lines in yellow, bright yellow. When you get hold of my notes off of lifespringak.com on our website, you can have these notes, and they're word for word, just what's here. In yellow, I wrote, Too often, however, we focus on getting out as fast as we can. Or in other words, too often, we focus on getting out as fast as possible. Isn't that how? I don't, I don't like being hot. I don't like it being too dry. I don't like all those things. But if that's the place I got to go to hear from God, if that's what I need, bring it on, Lord. Bring it on, Lord. So too often, however, we focus on getting out as fast as possible. We pray, Lord, deliver me from this terrible place or situation that I'm in. Don't we? Don't we? I'm the only one. Okay. Instead, we need to embrace what God has for us in these times of trial. Because desert really isn't, contrary to popular belief, a great vacation spot. Maybe, you know, I passed through uh, the airport in Vegas one time, really didn't see Vegas, didn't really care. 
But that, isn't that a city built in the desert? Passing through the airport was fine with me. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean I'm sure it's a bright, colorful place to visit, whatever. No big draw on me. Uh, that kind of desert calling is just not what I'm talking about <laughs> this morning, right? So, instead, we need to embrace what God has for us in times of trial. So, in the desert, here's the next point. In the desert, listen to me now. This is what needs to be burned into our hearts and our spirits from the Holy Spirit. We can possess all that God has for us in the desert. In that hot, dry, uncomfortable place where God speaks. Amen? Where the word desert and the word speak are almost synonymous in the Hebrew language. It's a few letters of difference. Right? So the desert place is a place of communication between man and God. Amen? So we can possess all that God has for us in that place. And what time we will have... Uh, at what time will we have a better opportunity to see God's hand move than when our backs are up against the sea and a body of water that we can't cross without him? Our backs are against the sea and we're facing a body of water that we cannot cross without him. So there's three simple things. Nathan, I hope we, we got this worked out. Three simple things. What do we need to say to God? What do we need to say to him? It's simple, it's easy. One, Grow me. Grow me, God. I know the desert when I see it. I know there's a reason for me being here. So grow me, Father, in the name of Jesus. Grow me. See, the devil freaks out when you do that. He's hoping that he can convince you that you're being punished. He's hoping that he can convince you that you're going to die out here. <laughs> He's hoping that he can convince you you'll never hear the Spirit of God out here when the God designed the Hebrew language and made the desert and the word speak so closely related they can't hardly be separated. God speaks. Don't let the devil... So the first thing we need to ask God in Jesus' name is grow me. Maturity. We need spiritual maturity. The second thing is train me. Train me, Father. Teach me. Train me. There's a difference between... Uh, grow me and train me. One is you'll, you'll do it if, uh, you know, you, if you put a plant in the ground and you treat it right, you fertilize it and you water it and, and you do all those things, it will eventually mature, will it not? And you know what? We, we are a lot like that. But we also need to be trained. And the Holy Spirit loves to train us like we're children. Like we're children. And we're able to say, build me so I can stand strong for you. Build me so I can stand strong for you. So as we listen and learn from our Father in heaven on how to move forward, we have to take note of how he and he alone sustains us with supernatural power to endure these times of growth. As he did with Moses and the Israelites. During all this heavenly instruction and provision that our Father brings us through, it is the righteous jealousy of the loving Father that says, if we forget everything else in this sermon, don't forget this. Literally, God says, please don't forget me when things are going well. God, 
God in heaven says, please, don't forget me when things are going well. You may say, Brother Dennis, I never read that in the Bible. Okay? I, I, I can hear that. But I'm saying that he says, please don't forget me when things are going well. However, the Israelites did just that. And if we're honest, quite often we forget him as well. In our forgetfulness, the lover calls his beloved aside. God said, Israel went after her lovers and forgot me, says the Lord. Therefore, I will now allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. In Hosea chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Perhaps one of the most poignant passages in the Bible is when God refers to the wilderness days as with the longing of a jilted lover, remembering how he drew his beloved to himself. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord. I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me into the wilderness in a land not sown. In Jeremiah 2, verse 2. How amazing it is that Almighty God remembers us and longs for us to cling to him in those desert days. Our tendency to forget him is why he is so strict about idolatry. In fact, in James chapter 4, verse 5, it says, God yearns jealously for the spirit that he has placed in us. When we forget him, he will lead us back into the wilderness, the place where we must again be dependent on hearing his voice and his alone. There, he will speak tenderly to us. And whatever he says, we must do so we can move into all that he has waiting for us in our own promised land. Though many of his people did forget him, the Lord has promised that he will never abandon us. He said in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 14, Return, faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. I will choose you. One from the town and two from the clan, two from a clan, and bring you to Zion. Jeremiah chapter 3. Verse 14. So, closing with one more sentence and then prayer. Hosea chapter 2, verse 14. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for this day and this period of time that you've given us to be in your word. Father, forgive me for the times that I was foolish enough to be embarrassed when your words would grip me. Father, I pray for everyone that lays eyes on this teaching and can hear with their ears. May it grip them too, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. 
Father, I've never prayed this before. And some people won't understand it. But I want to thank you for this specific desert experience that you've driven the world into. For all those that are in this desert that will reach out to you, you will speak to them. You'll draw them in. You'll cause them to be closer. You'll touch their eyes so that they might see. Touch their ears so that they would hear. Open up our spirits, Father, and pour your word into us, I pray. In Jesus' name. And in so doing, Father, the revival will not only continue, but it will flourish and explode on this planet in the lives of your people. I want to thank you for this great thing, Father. That's what I'll call it a thing. I'm not you. I don't know exactly what it looks like. I don't know exactly how it's going to take shape, but you do. I want to thank you for this great thing in your plans that you're preparing us for. I'm not even going to begin to try to describe it, Lord. It's yours. Just fulfill it in our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Father, help us not to resent our desert places in life. But help us to get quiet. And help us to get sensitive to the sound of your voice. So that you can do course corrections in our lives. Cleanse us afresh and anew with the shed blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, forgiving us of all of our sins and all of our shortcomings. I want to thank you once again for your great kindness and love for uh, not only Life Spring Bible Church, but for the body of Christ throughout this world. But I do want to say specifically, Father, what an amazing, wonderful work you've done in this little group of believers. Life Spring Bible Church, it's yours. You birthed it, Father. You brought it about. But we're not the only church that lifts up the name of Jesus. And I do pray, Father, for the body of Christ throughout this world that lifts up the name of Jesus. Bless them, Father. Speak to them in these desert times. And may we be careful to rejoice in these things that you teach us in the desert. To grow us and to train us, Father. And help us to stand strong. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thanking, we're thanking you for being with us today. And uh, don't forget that we'll be recording testimonies this week. And we need to have those to be able to share for our communion service next week. Good day. Thank you, fam. You're welcome, Pastor. You're what? <laughs>